Decoding Life with Brian Blake. Stay raw, stay real, stay vulnerable, stay authentic. The time is now. Hello and welcome to Decoding Life, where we take philosophies from around the world, decode them and show you how to apply them to your life. We are deep into the heart of Movember, which is a clever way of saying November, but wherein we raise money for charity by growing our facial hair, moustaches, hence Movember, amongst other things. I, for example, am putting out this podcast every time we get any sponsorship money in at all, and also walking 60 kilometres, which is no mean feat when you're sheltering. As such, this podcast is dedicated to Secret Time Lady for her sponsorship. Thank you very much, Secret Time Lady. We very much appreciate everything you've contributed. So, today's episode is about habits. Our everyday habits, our productive habits, and even our bad habits. And how to train ourselves to create habits that improve our situation without needing discipline. So how is this possible? Well, there have been a number of different philosophers around the world who have tackled this, this idea of creating a pattern for oneself and one's thoughts that leads to an improvement in life and in productivity. And not just productivity in the business sense, but in the personal, evolutionary, social and spiritual sense. There are several methods to create habits and several ways to improve our situations many say it's a matter of discipline um, but as I've just mentioned discipline is an unreliable motivational factor a lot of the time there are times when we just don't feel like doing things and we aren't disciplined enough to do them I, as the designer Jim Rohn once said on any one day you can massively change the direction of your life and that's what we're going to be talking about today so How can we be more productive for ourselves, for others and for the world? Well, there are some basic simple rules that it's a good idea to have in your head. For example, if you do have any rules that you make for yourself, make them memorable. Phrase them in a memorable way. Be creative. Even if you have to hit the thesaurus or want to take them from someone else that applies to you. Someone who's perhaps more eloquent. Critically, make them intuitive, not ethereal. Do not leave them open to interpretation. Do not, at any point, write them in such a way where someone might look at them and think, hmm, I wonder what that means. It needs to be crystal clear. And as I said before, take any inspiration you find. Boil it down to the essentials. Make it nice and simple and plain speaking. Make it catchy but make it apply to you and your way of thinking. Make these rules available in your working environment. It may seem tacky, but I think we've all seen that hanging there poster with the, I think it's a cat hanging from a tree. But everyone remembers it. Make these rules like little posters. You know, they can be post-it notes, they can be A3, they can be A1, they can be huge or small, but make them available in your working environment to remind you at all times. I personally write down any rules I make in a little notebook and I make that notebook as decorative as possible so that it appeals to my eye and makes me want to look at it and it reminds me that that's there all the time in my pocket. 
all of this leads to you changing your mental environment. Now, I know you all knew that we weren't going to get through a single podcast without me mentioning the Stoics, but they are amongst the best when it comes to being productive, when it comes to the idea of excellence is a habit, and about having habits not necessarily using discipline. Strangely enough, it may seem counterintuitive, but they were very clever people and they thought around problems. And Stoics are, above all else, doers. Obviously, they think as well, they're philosophers, but they are doers. It's about applying what you think to action. So when it comes to being productive, at the moment, many of us are in lockdown and we still have to remain productive. We have to keep our minds working and ticking over. I am more aware of this than a lot of people, simply because I've been in lockdown and shielding for a long time. I've not really been able to go out at all. So keeping your mind active is critical for mental health. So when we consider the idea of being productive, we have to think about, rather than what productive people might be doing, but what they are not doing. Being productive is often about doing less. Now, critically, the one thing we must always be doing is learning. We must never stop learning. Whether it be incremental or in vast swaths of knowledge, never stop learning. Whatever it is, keep on every day a little bit more learning. Keep your mind ticking over. But at the same time, counterbalancing this, we must not work for the sake of it. We should be working hard because we need to work hard, not just because there is you know, the, the opportunity for hard work. We need to centre our work path towards a goal that requires it. So, step one, when it comes to productivity, is setting a goal. And then, figuring out how hard you need to work to achieve that goal. And then calibrate yourself and work precisely that hard to achieve it. Anything above that is a waste of your energy and your mental processes. And anything below that means you're not going to achieve that goal. Be precise. Figure out exactly the elbow grease that's required and use exactly that amount. Be clear. Be precise. And in your mind, choose excellence. You start with that thought, I will be excellent, I will exceed what I thought I could do and I will be the best version of myself doing this. You choose to succeed and if you're unsure about anything, make a study of what works, what other people have done and just copy it. There is no need to reinvent the wheel here, this is not brain surgery. See what other people have done that works, copy it. Be clear of what you want to achieve every single day and subsequently in your life in general. Two very clear directives. What am I doing today? What do I want to do in life? What matters to you in truth and what doesn't? And eliminate that which doesn't. And remember, when you are copying, if you are copying, and to some extent you will, Pretty much everything's been done under the sun when it comes to methodology. But the approach you take, if you copy it from someone else, it doesn't work exactly for you, tweak it, change it. Constant evolution and adaptation.
critically then, if we are being precise and we are goal-oriented in that state, in that sense of the word, do not be wandering aimlessly. Okay, there is a huge misconception in the world, especially in the Western world, that there is such a thing as objective productivity, but it doesn't exist. For example, let's take meditation or even let's say something like push-ups then that is considered to be a productive activity and playing a computer game is considered not a productive activity but again objective productivity doesn't exist if you genuinely relax playing console games that's great now it's not a substitute for meditation just as a an example but if it relaxes you if it gets you in a state of mind where you can then tackle issues, problems, obstacles, and get things done, if that pushes you towards your goal, then great. Productivity is relative. You find your own method. This whole discourse is about you finding your method so that you can make progress. If you don't know where you're going, if you don't have a goal, then it's going to be impossible to track your progress. So your destination is key. Whatever it takes to get your mind ready to do this, to take on these issues, to be productive, great. But you won't know if you're getting anywhere unless you have your destination in mind. Otherwise, you're just working hard for the sake of it or because the world is saying you should or because you've been duped into believing that you want to be like everybody else. Again, your goal is as personal as your method for getting there. It's important that you remember that at all times. That being the case, you have your goal and therefore, by extension, you need to focus. Your focus determines your reality. Remember our stoic lessons from before. You do not control end results. You do control the attention you pay on the craft. You may not necessarily know if the song's going to be any good at the end, but let's say you play the guitar. You can control how much attention you pay on the craft of playing the guitar, which increases your chance of a song being good for the most part. But it's not the goal that matters. Listen to the music, not the song. You only need to focus on the process. That is the active part, the part you can control. You know where you want to end up. You know when you will have completed your chosen project, mission, goal. Obviously, you need to observe the results and the outcomes in order to learn. But, again, as we've covered before, you must relinquish your anxiety about them and look at the actions that got you there. The craft, the focus on you building your skill, on your personal productivity. And if you're unhappy with the results, as you may well be, then refocus and, as stated before, adjust your process. Tweak it, evolve, adopt, adapt and improve, as King Arthur once said. Change your method. The goal will change because of that, but you cannot control the end results, just how you get there. As they say, tiny hinges open huge doors you get up when your alarm goes off 
Do you want to go to the gym, but you have trouble getting motivated to do it? Fine. Just put on your outfit. Put on your gym outfit. This is something called an instigation habit. You focus on the tiny step on the way to the big goal. It's a sort of way of tricking yourself into doing it. Once you're in your gym clothes, your mind ticks over and you think, okay, time to go to the gym. Okay? Instigation habits. Tiny, tiny little micro goals that you achieve on your way to your big goal. Okay? Focus on the process. The process of putting on your gym socks um, and then your sneakers or trainers and then going to the gym finally. Keep your mind calm. Mindful meditation is great if that works for you. Again, for some people it is playing computer games. Lots of different things. But it's the ongoing habit that helps. It's what you train yourself to do. And again, instigation habits, tiny little steps. You don't necessarily start off meditating for an hour at a time. Just do a minute, two minutes, five minutes. You build up. There was a scientist once, well, actually, he's still alive. I don't know why I said once. Giuseppe Pagnoni. Apologies for my pronunciation there. He compared in a test, in a study, uh, this idea, this premise, that meditation changes brain patterns and that increased focus and increased mental acuity comes from regular meditation. So he took 12 Zen meditators who have been meditating for three years and three non-meditators of the same age and same educational level. So he was trying to take intellect out of the equation. And the meditators outperformed the non-meditators in every mental stability test. A part of the brain called the ventral posteromedial cortex was found to be more stable in the Zen meditators. Now, this, I'm not going to say it again, the VPC was more stable in the meditators and the VPC is the part of the brain that generates spontaneous and distracting thoughts. You know, you can be focusing, studying, reading, writing, writing an essay, whatever, and then suddenly your brain will just get distracted by anything and start thinking about something else. What was that thing I did last night? What, what did I eat yesterday? You know, what's that thing over there? But through meditation and the changing of brain patterns, that part of the brain was more stable in the meditators. They had more focus and more mental acuity. And thus, with that increased focus, we're able to recognize, set and achieve goals with relative ease compared to the non-meditators. And as I have also said many moons ago on a previous episode, one of the most powerful words you will ever hear in the English language, in any language, is the word no. It's critical that with our focus and our goals, we are able to say no. We are able to eliminate that which is irrelevant. Once we've done that, we can concentrate on what we're left with. No is an incredibly powerful word you must master, so you are your own master. The value that you attach to your time is also the value others will attach to your time because they will see how much you care about what you are doing, that you are not wasting time, that you are resolute and determined 
and don't get distracted and won't take on any old silly project just because someone asks them to. This will be reflected in how other people approach you. They won't ask you to take on tedious or irrelevant projects when they see that you get the big tasks done, that your time is valuable to you. If you do this too little, people will know they can boss you around. It's really that simple. They'll ask you to do all kinds of things for them that they could easily do themselves. So no is your operating byword when it comes to focus, when it comes to setting your goals. Again, critically, this is about choice. You have something called a locus of control, and this is intrinsically connected to your perception of cause and effect. How strongly do you believe you have control over your situation and experience that affects your life? If you don't believe you have any control over that, then you have put more weight on an external locus of control. Okay, and exter- the external locus of control is where we blame others, we blame luck, we blame fate, we therefore put in less effort, we blame how people treat us. If you have an internal locus of control, or LOC if you like, you will do better. You have to determine where is your locus. What are you letting control your life? What does your focus say about who is your master? Is it you or is it everybody else? Critically, and this will sound really silly to start with, but bear with me. Critically, you cannot be doing A if you are doing B. If you are focused, you are attacking one target. Do not divide yourself. It's bad when one thing becomes two. If one understands things in this manner, he should be able to hear about all ways and be more and more in accord with his own. Many people will ask for your time and politely declining as your friend in this instance. There's no need to be rude or attack anyone when they ask you. In fact, the further you go with this and valuing your time, the less people will ask you for petty things or small tasks they can do themselves, as I said before. You might even want to practice politely declining if you're not very good at it and you're not sure. And so, again, you determine your reality. You can only join dots in one order, and that's looking back. So you need to make sure you're putting down those dots carefully, okay? And then when you join those dots, you'll see this is the pattern you established. These are the choices you made, and they were not imposed on you. As someone once said, life is an amazing gift that comes with an expiration date. Okay, you can't afford to be wasting your time. No one can. Another expression I heard, which I really liked. So in physics, there's something called Murphy's Law, which determines that if something can go wrong, it will. Now, that isn't a pessimistic rule of physics. It just means that eventually something will break down. If something can go wrong, if that possibility exists in physics, All probabilities are played out and therefore something can go wrong. It will go wrong at some point. But by following this pattern of uh, behavior and focus, the expression is we are sending a telegram to Murphy's Law with one word that says no. Basically, we are telling the world this will not go wrong. We are focused and we have our goal. Internal inspiration 
remains an external inspiration fades. As we said before, be your own master. Your actions need to be based on you and your focus. And so by extension, you need to ask, am I happy? Am I having fulfilling relationships? Am I connected to positive people? No one exists in isolation. It's just our perception of it. This is why feeling isolated is so hard, because we are fighting an illusion and a jail cell created in our own minds. We are meant to be social animals, and we have never had more connectivity in human history than we do right now, which, fittingly and ironically, increases our perception of isolation. We can be feeling that we're shunned by literally millions more people today than we have been in any part of human history. We do need to make sure that we have positive people around us as much as possible. And as we said before about eliminating the irrelevant, so is the same true here for negative influences. It's hard to do. Much easier said than done. But if we are around negative feelings, it will take away our focus, take away our ability to recognise our goals. Now, being social and having friends does not necessarily equal happiness but it is fair to say that happiness largely leads to success it does increase our focus it increases our brain activity it increases our inspiration internally can do so externally as well but that's a backup that's not the goal it can increase our internal inspiration because if we feel we're liked sometimes we like ourselves more and we recognize elements of ourselves but your actions should be based on you and your focus by extension, through this idea of social interaction, we do find that helping others is a key towards fulfilment. Studies have shown that volunteers are generally less depressed and healthier. There was a global survey that concluded basically that people who donate are happier than those who earn twice as much as the people who are donating who don't donate. Productivity in the name of service will create personal growth personal recognition personal awareness and growth and that growth in one area of your life will cause growth in other areas of your life fulfillment focus and goal there was a businessman a multi-billionaire warren buffett who had something called the 525 rule and i'll just go through that quickly now because it's a very interesting approach and it seemed to work for him and he's uh, i think he's worth something like 60 billion you write down 25 things you want to get done in life, things that will satisfy you and master your potential, not just, I want to go on holiday to Paris. Unless, of course, you somehow feel that will satisfy and master your potential. But anyway, 25 things you want to get done in your life. Then, and this is the tough part, you narrow it down to just five things. You cross out the other 20 and you do not touch them until you've achieved the top five. And you repeat this process throughout your life until you've done everything. Now, it's a remarkable person that does everything because these need to be big and far-reaching. But this is what Warren Buffett did and he is immensely successful. At the very least, it will teach you focus and self-mastery. And if you're writing down things that are of the correct type, shall we say, you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Okay, And critically, if you believe you can do it, you can 
you can do it. Or as I like to say, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Okay, this is all a puzzle to be solved. You tweak your environment, you tweak your processes, you tweak your attitude until you find your own specific frequency of excellence. And I would like to leave you now with a quote from the late great Brandon Lee, who I think summed up human existence remarkably well. Just quickly before we go, if you have any suggestions on topics you'd like us to cover, contact details are in the show notes and at the end of the podcast. Please get in contact with us. Please, if you can, sponsor us. Thank you very much. Because we do not know when we will die, we get to think of life as an inexhaustible well. And yet everything happens only a certain number of times, and a very small number, really. How many more times will you watch the full moon rise? Perhaps 20. And yet it all seems limitless. Thank you for listening to Decoding Life. Please like, subscribe and leave a review and also follow our video feed on YouTube, Decoding Life. If you have any comments, questions or topics you would like us to cover, please contact us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook or with the name at Decoding Life One. That's the number one. Or by email, decodinglife1 at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are entirely our own and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever which we have been am now or will be affiliated.